What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Uh, today, we've got a really special guest on the line, uh, James Steffens. Uh, welcome to the show. Oh, you got to say James Stevenson. Yeah, that's me. Oh, James Steven. Wait, did I say your name wrong? You said Steffens, which, you know, is one way of saying it, but it's Stevenson. Oh, Stevenson. All right, shit. All right, Stevenson let's run that back. Yeah. Oh, my You're God. Like, my bad. I, Amateur no, move. No, you get a mulligan Such... on that. That's... <laughs> It may be an inauspicious start, but it's funny, right? It's like it's good luck, like rain on the wedding day. Uh oh. All right. What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. We've got James Stevenson here, special guest from Tesla Twitter. Welcome to the show. Awesome. It is great to be here, Gally. I cannot underscore enough what a privilege it is to be on HyperChange. Yeah. No, it's a privilege to have you. And uh, just some funny background for those who don't know, you uh, are a Tesla investor, been involved in the community for years. We Our paths sort of crossed in this Wall Street Journal article almost a little over two years ago that was like a fork in the road looms for Tesla investors. And we were like those crazy retail people. They're like, these crazy guys are actually hanging on, like, <laughs> you know, and they're quoting us. And now fast forward two years later, um, you even had like an Elon Musk shout out on Twitter about how excellent your insights are. Um, I've been following you on Twitter. Love your charts, your analysis. And like when I think, you know, this Tesla story, there's been a lot of talk about how the retail investor gets it. The little guys understood this ahead of the curve of Wall Street. Um, and it's kind of been this breakout moment for smaller investors using crowdsourced internet research to come together and be at the forefront of some of these crazy companies outperforming. And I feel like you are you are the perfect example of that under the radar sort of guy who just is putting out, pumping out better research than any Wall Street firm. So I'm really excited to have you on and like dive into all your estimates and just kind of look behind the curtain at all the crazy stuff you've been working on. Well, I appreciate all the compliments. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, it was really that way a couple of years ago. There was so much Tesla FUD out every day, fear, uncertainty, and doubt being promoted by the short sellers. And uh, people like you and me got really active on Twitter fighting the FUD and uh, countering lies with truth, right? Uh, and uh, some other uh, third row uh, podcast members uh, did the same thing with Tesla Truth, right? Totally. Uh, yeah, trying to uh, trying to fight fire with fire, right? So, where did that inspiration come from? What was your aha moment? Did you buy the car? Did you get a test drive in the car? What are you a climate activist? You know, what made you so passionate to fight that fud and get involved? I had heard about Tesla a long time ago, but didn't pay much attention to it, like 2010, 2011. And then uh, in 2014, I went back to get my MBA. And in my MBA school, we did a couple of group projects where we used Tesla as our example of a company that would be a good investment for the future and why that is, the revenue growth potential, the disruptive potential um, to really uh, you know, take advantage of an opportunity a lot of people were missing out on. And so that got me into the research part of it. And once I started, I was watching Elon Musk interviews. I was seeing what a smart guy he is, what a polymath in so many different areas. He just, he understands so much so deeply uh, that it made you feel confident. This is somebody you could put your money behind. So I did. I bought a lot of stock back in 2014, uh, and I've been adding to it since. 
Amazing. And so can you walk yeah. us through a little bit about, you know, your thought process as, a, as an investor? Are you the guy who's looking at the spreadsheets, crunching the numbers? I know you do all of that, but are you also like the guy who drives the product? And it's just like, there's that special, you know, je ne sais quoi of Tesla being a spaceship and the Apple of cars that I can just feel this going all the way. Or, you know, what was sort of that catalyst that, that got you over the hump of like, I'm sold? Or was it just Elon and that, you know, analysis of the leader of owner, operator, founder, this is the best CEO on the planet. Like, I'm going to bet on that jockey. Well, I'm, I'm wearing my Tesla uh, Model 3 t-shirt here. This was the original logo for the Model 3 before they went to that little uh, 3 with the V and the curve underneath it. Um, so this was from uh, Model 3 Owners Club back when Trevor Page, shout out to Trevor Page, uh, was uh, calling it that instead of Tesla Motors Online. But uh, yeah, way back in the day, I was so interested in watching YouTube. I was watching your videos. I was watching Trevor's and a bunch of other uh, Tesla Tuber videos. So uh, I was hearing about the positive reviews for Model 3 in uh, 2018. I placed my order in 2017 for my Model 3 and got it in uh, December of 2018, uh, right before the $7,500 tax credit started winding down. So that worked out pretty well. And I love it, love my Model 3. It is the most efficient EV in the world. I've got 188 watt hours per mile on my Tesla Model 3. So I, yeah. I've uh, tweeted a few times challenging people, can they beat that? And I haven't seen one person beat it except in kilometers, which does not count. <laughs> yeah, I saw you tweeted. I actually wanted to bring that up because you put your own efficiency next to the Tesla efficiencies of Tesla and it's like even better yeah. than advertised. And that's already, I mean, something interesting to unpack is how Tesla huh. gets more juice and range out of each, you know, amount of, you know, essentially raw materials in the battery pack and you're even beating those benchmarks. But I mean, that's just like the first testament to the technology right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm the beneficiary of a few lucky uh, serendipitous circumstances, one of which is I live in Florida, the terrain is very flat. My commute to work is pretty low speed, but it's steady, it doesn't stop very much. I've got the arrow wheels on my Model 3. Oh, nice. I've got buses and trucks that I can draft behind on a pretty regular basis. So I'm not actually driving as slow as the people who comment on, uh, <laughs> on my tweets. Are you in but, chill mode too? Because I, I, I just got mine and I'm wondering, does chill mode help a lot or is, am I overthinking that? I don't use it. I don't use uh, chill mode. I've tried it before and it just doesn't give you the same acceleration when you punch it. I do punch it sometimes. Uh, yeah, how can you not? Popular belief. Yeah, especially when I'm giving test rides to coworkers uh, or whoever. Yeah, you get somebody in the car, you got to show off the acceleration, right? And you Definitely. can't do it mode, so I just leave it off all the time. And uh, I, I also agree with what uh, Zach from uh, Zach and Jesse says frequently, which is if you're in chill mode, you don't have that burst to get out of a bad situation in traffic if mm -hmm. uh, you see somebody coming too close. Uh, whereas if you've got that full instantaneous torque available to you at any time, you just punch it and teleport right out of uh, harm's way. Totally. All right. Yeah. So I want to get into the hard questions. So I'm assuming you're still holding Tesla as an investor. You know, this yeah, has been a pretty unprecedented rise of like, okay, now we're going from 40 billion to 400, you know, throwing all comps of traditional automakers out the window. We're worth more than like every US automaker combined times five. Like, you know, how are you thinking about the investment thesis here and, you know, holding on to this valuation and the upside? Because I mean, it's 
I've been a lot to process of like, wow, I did not expect it to go up this fast. I feel like we're definitely pricing in a little bit, you know, every time it goes, we're stretching the valuation, we're going further into the future and pricing in more of that future. So I'd love to kind of get your take on like, what is, how much of that future are we truly pricing in? Because I think that is the crux of the valuation debate. I am into Tesla for the long term. I invested to hold it until the company passes a trillion dollars in, in market cap. Uh, that's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. We're, I mean, most of that has happened already. If you think about it, the hard part, I know we're less than half a trillion now, but the 600% growth from a year ago to where we are now was the hardest part of it, right? Uh, from here, what's going to happen is just quarter after quarter of Tesla pummeling the Wall Street critics with record revenues, record earnings, uh, even if regulatory credit revenues decline, which is what they're complaining about lately. That's the flavor of the week Can't believe uh, it. that you hear from uh, Gordon Johnson and Tesla charts and the, the rest of that bunch. Uh, they think the regulatory credits are going away right away. Uh, because every automaker in the world is going to start making so many EVs and selling them that uh, they're not going to need to buy any regulatory credits. Wake me when that happens. Uh, I, I don't know what these cars are that are supposed to be selling uh, so much, right? Uh, so, yeah, I'm holding on to my shares for a long time because this stock has a long way left to grow. The, the volatility is what upsets people, right? that it runs way past uh, a valuation number and then it runs back. It doesn't bother me too much. Uh, I do a very detailed forecast of Tesla uh, for future quarters. So I know where I expect the stock price to be. I have to forecast it because I have to forecast Elon's compensation package, which is tied to 12 market cap tranches mm -hmm. that um, depend on the stock price, right? So for me to know how quickly uh, the CFO, Zach Kirkhorn, is going to be accruing expense towards paying off those stock options as they vest, I need to know when Tesla is going to be achieving those market cap milestones. So I, I think we're a little ahead. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say overvalued because in the long term, we're not. Tesla's got a lot further it can go. Uh, but uh, So how do you yeah. think of... as an as an investor, how do you balance that? You know, I really take a step back and say, I'm going to waste time if I'm doing such granular analysis, because you have such that long term till 2030 couple, you know, a trillion market cap, but yet you're also like crunching the numbers like Wall Street down to the minutia. You sent me like this spreadsheet that almost broke my computer because it had like monthly sales of every single car. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, how do you, it, maybe you just like nerd out on, on modeling and that's the way you go. Um, but I'm just yeah. curious about how you balance that kind of like, you are projecting each quarter super great annually thinking about that, but also maintaining that long-term focus. I am a spreadsheet nerd. That is my rep. Uh, the coworkers uh, who are also finance people who work on spreadsheets all the time are coming to me asking for advice on how to model stuff. Uh, I nerd out on statistical linear regression. I do a lot of discounted cash flow analysis. I do a lot of capital investment uh, pro forma work. Uh, to figure out whether it makes sense to make capital investments based on their return uh, versus a hurdle rate. So that's the stuff that I do at work on a regular basis. That stuff comes pretty easily uh, to mm -hmm. me. I do a lot of planning, forecasting, um, P&Ls. So that's what my forecast is. It's the income statement for Tesla. I don't worry about the balance sheet, particularly since this last $5 billion raise that Tesla got at a very, uh, very nice uh, valuation. Overall, uh, 
my hat is off to Zach for getting $5 billion for 1% dilution. It's incredible. Over. That's a heck of a lot of money to get for only uh, 1.5% dilution, if that. And think about what Tesla is going to be doing with that $5 billion. They're going to be investing that into capital projects that have tremendously high internal rates of return. So when Tesla puts a gigafactory in Berlin, they no longer have to pay the import duties uh, and the, the price or the, the effective out-of-pocket cost to a buyer in Europe comes down uh, because those import the tariffs aren't there anymore, right? Same thing happens in China. Uh, same thing will happen in future gigafactories, right? Uh, you, you make the product more affordable and you drive down your costs of logistics for shipping globally, right? So uh, every part of that is good for Tesla's income statement. It improves automotive gross margins. Ultimately, it improves earnings, bottom line, right? Uh, so Tesla's strategy is working. I cannot underscore enough. Tesla's strategy is working. Yeah. And like you said, it's, you know, all the hard work is done. It's because it seems like they validated once we spend money on a production line, the ROIC is super high, like with Model 3 and now Model Y, they're just validating more and more profitable. So it's like, okay, let's just replicate this over and over again. And so they're not trying to show earnings. They're spending like crazy to mess in all these ROIC projects. But on the flip side, I'm like, they can't even spend it fast enough because the CapEx is ramping, but they're getting way more efficient at CapEx. They're actually still producing yeah. positive operating cash flow. Cash is piling up on the balance sheet. We got $9 billion, another five billion now I'm like we got 14 billion what is elon going to do with this because this is getting fun because we're already it seems like cranked up the dial on capex as far as we can go we, even with austin having like even if, no matter if you assume how expensive this new battery production line is in austin it's still not going to be able to spend all the money they have so is it are they yeah. going to build a power plant or utility or like i don't know i'm just really curious if we can dive into this because well we got a hell of a lot of batteries we need to make right uh so that's what battery day is going to tell us all about so is that the capex you think that they're going to have uh yeah so i know elon's plan is to make those cells on site at the gigafactories right uh that's the most efficient way to do it is to get your cell production to the same place that your final auto assembly is happening uh did you see the tweet that uh, your buddy uh rob mauer dropped on greg wester on tweet on twitter no uh, Greg was complaining about all the capital raises over the past couple of years, and Rob pointed out the simple arithmetic. Yeah, Tesla had $2 billion in cash back then, and they've raised $10 billion, and they have $12 billion now. Yeah. <laughs> None of it has disappeared. There's no cash burn. Uh, that's old FUD from a long time ago, but you'll still see Love Tesla it. Keep, uh, repeating it, that uh, Tesla needs to go back to the capital markets to survive, and it's not true. For two straight years, Tesla has been free cash flow positive after paying for the cost of capital expenditures, right? So uh, it's a self-funding company at, at this point. And yeah, I think that money is gonna get invested into what we learn about on uh, battery day. So uh, I think the cost per kilowatt hour is gonna come down. I think the uh, cobalt is going to come out of the batteries, uh, either entirely or to a, to a great degree. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're going to see single crystal cathode technology. Uh, I saw that Jeff Don video before it got pulled down off of YouTube. Yeah, and that's really so, the breakthrough to, that allows the million mile because the, the cracking yeah. is less and then you, the degradation is way lower. 
Yeah, they've got two uh, ways of attacking that battery degradation problem. They've got the single crystal cathode, and they've got that additive, which is sodium difluorophosphate. So you're going to hear about that until your eyes glaze over at Battery Day, I hope. Can't um, wait. Yeah, I am not an expert on battery technology, but I geek out on Tesla and I read everything I can get my hands on. So it sounds like between those, uh, they're going to be reducing uh, a lot of the problems that they have with the batteries they buy today from Panasonic, from LG, from CATL. Um, they might be using the same form factor battery so that they can, they can swap them out. Uh, we'll, we'll see what they say. I, I have a kind of hot take on that, which is I think they're going right. to totally redesign the battery pack going from like 4,000 smaller cells to like something totally different because of the tabless electrode. And I haven't looked into this enough, but I uh -huh. feel like that Elon's been hyping that as a key breakthrough. So I'm like, do you have any uh, commentary on that? They've got a number of innovations that they're going to roll out simultaneously. And uh, it, better get your popcorn ready. It should be a lot of fun. Right. And I think I'm what I'm expecting is massive, not only that they show they can scale that battery production line, but like you're saying, like I'm pumped about that shoot to drop of CapEx. And if you actually looked at their filings, I should probably look at the most recent one about their expectations for future CapEx. When they decided to build the Austin Gigafactory in a US Gigafactory, they upped their, by a billion, their CapEx guidance range. So to me, that was the sign that like, we're actually starting to price in this like battery Cap, like production capex because not they're just building a production line for those vehicles but also those batteries so it's way more capex per vehicle because of that vertical integration so i think that's going to be the big financial shoe to drop is that we're about to spend three more billion on this crazy huge battery giga uh tariff act or tariff factory of course but yeah we know cato road has a uh, a pilot line in progress being constructed right now for tesla to do their own cell production so there's a lot of ways you can make that process more efficient. You can reduce the uh, cooking time. You have to raise the temperature, I guess, on the battery for uh, hours to get to get those crystals uh, cooked correctly uh, before you can move on with the process. But if they come up with a way to reduce the amount of time it takes to make batteries, that's another uh, layer of output on, on making your own batteries it's going to be really beneficial especially when you multiply it by the other improvements that they're going to be talking about i mean less cobalt all by itself is going to be a great weapon against fud i think um, but also just improving the density lowering the cost uh, per kilowatt hour of batteries is so, a, a big deal mm -hmm. and you know I guess there's two ways we can go here, which is lowering the cost of batteries. Do they announce officially the Model 2 is on the roadmap, a subcompact car that will come out? I think they could, that's one major thing that could slip um, that he's, Elon's already talked about. If we're going to hit that, you know, cost per kilowatt milestone, it seems like then the obvious next thing is, is there a cheaper car or, you know, something like that? Yeah. Do they announce a couple of different families of batteries they're going to make together? Is there one that powers the Plaid powertrain vehicles? And is there another one that powers everything else, the 3, the Y, and anything smaller? Uh, I am forecasting that China is going to make a compact car. That'll be the China design vehicle uh, after the Model Y plant is up and running. It looks like they're scoping out the, the adjacent property to uh, GF3 Shanghai. Like uh, it, even expanding Brad, beyond Model Y? Yeah. So if you check out Brad Ferguson's tweet from this morning, 
he noticed that there's pile drivers or there's a pile driver uh, in the adjacent field, which seems like an odd farm implement. Wow, I love it. So if you had to guess, I'm gonna put you on the spot here, when the China Tesla Model 2 compact car rolls off the production line in Shanghai at that new plot of land, uh, what are we what are we talking? You've got it in your model here. Maybe yeah, this is a good time to, to pull up your uh this uh, this beautiful chart you've you've shared. Yeah, I do have to guess. So it, is it the is... compact when it says compact in your thing, that's built in China, this dark purple one? Yeah. Yeah, the China compact is just my guess at what they're going to call the uh, smaller car um, just for sale to China. I think there, there would be enough demand just within China. It's the world's largest EV market. Uh, let me make sure. So it looks like, on. I don't want to jump the gun, but Q1 2022 with about 25,000 units. Yeah, is... And then you have it scaling pretty quickly to almost 100,000 units by the end of 2023. Yeah, I, I try not to get too far out over my skis on my forecast model. I know that there's a lot of people out there who like to make high-level forecasts for Tesla mm -hmm. or long-range ones. The farther out you try to forecast, the more uncertainty there is in your model. So I try to only tweet out you know, the, the rest of this year and all of next year. Uh, so that's that's about as far as I think I can see. Uh, I try to make all of my assumptions the midpoint of a likely range of outcomes so that uh, Tesla has a chance to beat my numbers. Uh, it just It's remarkable to me to see the comments that I get when I tweet those out from people saying, oh, Tesla's never going to grow. They peaked in 2018. Like, Folks, they did not peak in 2018. They had pricing power in 2018 because the tax credit was expiring in the U.S. They had a lot of people buying performance Model 3s back when they were priced higher. Um, they were moving lower volumes back then. The higher you grow your volumes, even if your base price comes down, which I do model my assumption that the base price will lower over time, the price of FSD is going to increase over time along with the take rate for FSD. And it's going to more than offset that. So you're going to see ASP growth at the bottom line over time, revenue per vehicle uh, growth, because as more FSD features come online, the value proposition grows, the awareness grows, and the combination of those factors drives more people to buy it. And they can sell it to existing customers as well, right? Because everybody who bought a car since October 2016 has the uh, sensor hardware necessary for full self-driving. Yeah. And that's one of those charts that you post, which I'll put up now, which is really fascinating, that install fleet. Um, and I'm curious if you could talk about the cadence, your your theory about the cadence of, of price hikes for FSD. We're at 8K now. You know, how fast do we start pumping up in two grand increments soon? Like, Yeah. Well, I've got it growing slower than that. Okay. So I've got two different FSD lines. I've got one FSD line for revenue that's telling me how much the average revenue is per new vehicle sold. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've got that rising from, it's about $2,300 per uh, vehicle right now. And that's in, that's the average of the people who bought it and didn't buy it at. Oh, it so assumes like the take rate's like 20, 25%. Yeah, on delivery. And then I've got that rising as the, as the combination of those two factors, what's the price and how many people are taking it as a percentage of new vehicle purchasers. 
So I've got it rising, you know, 2,800 in Q3, 3,200 in Q4, 4,000 in Q1 of 2021, rising to 6,000 by the end of 2021. Wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's one of my two lines. The other one is I've got an other revenue line, and that includes mostly FSB deferral. So this is revenue that uh, Tesla can claim as additional features roll out towards oh, when late. they move that deferred revenue back onto the income statement, even though they already collected yeah. the cash. Yeah. Yeah. So in the last earnings call, Zach said there was about $600,000 worth of that that can be claimed as they get closer to completion on FSB features. Uh, and I've also got over-the-air upgrades in there. So that's people upgrading to FSB who didn't buy it when they first got their car. So uh, yeah, that number is also rising over time. It, it starts off negative in prior years because we're talking about the, uh, the amount being deferred. So when less than half of the FSB features that will ultimately exist were available, you had to defer uh, more revenue than you were uh, claiming at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, that that relieves itself over time, the more features roll out to the fleet with over-the-air up updates. Yeah, it's a really fascinating thing to watch kind of play out in the financials because we've never seen something like this. And it's I think it's hard for Wall Street to wrap their head around. Well, and they're not even modeling it at all. Those guys are phoning it in. They are, uh, for the most part, just dropping numbers into templates that they set up for Ford and GM and Fiat Chrysler. And they're seeing it kick out a number at the end and they go, okay, it's good enough. Let's go to lunch, right? Totally. Uh, they are not uh, immersed in Tesla news. They are not updating their forecast models weekly as they get information on price increases or uh, new features rolling out, et cetera. I've, uh, I feel pretty confident this model of mine is more detailed than any of theirs. Uh, it might be the most detailed model outside of people who work at Tesla. <laughs> Love it. And we, I'll put uh, the link to like your tweets about the model as well. So people can go check it out and like look for themselves because this is just crazy. On August 8th or 7th, I think I uh, sent out my most recent forecast and I included screenshots of every part of my detailed forecast model because I was getting some flack from people about uh, how I'm just doing a high level uh, analysis and I haven't really put much work into this and you know, whatever else. So I said, all right, the, the first four slides that I tweet out uh, twice a quarter it's just the summary page. <laughs> My detailed forecast engine is on a different tab. I don't tweet those out because it's ugly. But uh, for oh this last God. one, I did 14 tweets of four slides per uh, tweet. So uh, yeah, it's it's over a thousand rows of uh, detailed assumptions that I'm using to build up to my earnings forecast because I think it's important to look at uh, things in that level of detail. I know I'm at the far extreme of this argument and that plenty of other people feel like it's fine to just do it high level, but I've tried doing it high level before and I've missed uh, by an amount that I wasn't happy with. And I thought, you know, if I had been looking at this at a more granular level, I would have caught that. I wouldn't have made that mistake. I wouldn't have missed on that aspect 
if I had if I had had to look at for every model produced at every site for every kind of revenue that they make for every kind of cost of sales, what do I think is going to change over time? I know what the historicals have been, or I can make reasonable inferences into what they must have been to have kicked out the numbers that got reported. So how do we think that's going to be changing over time? And that's, that's how I forecast. Awesome. And if there's one part of the thesis that you think is sort of underrated that you're kind of most excited about that people don't get, like, is it the cyber truck coming off the line in a year? Is it this FSD price increase? Is it just China and Berlin coming online? Like what part of the story do you think really comes to the top of the narrative this next year? Uh, battery day is going to be exciting. So Tesla up until this stage has been buying their batteries from third parties. And that was the right call, I think, at the time that they made it. Partnering with Panasonic was a really good decision so as not to have to invest so much time, energy, effort, human capital into cracking the problem of how do we make really good batteries when good enough batteries were already available for purchase, right? Mm -hmm. So Panasonic has this patented technology. It works. Let's use that. And then while we're building cars over the years, we'll have research and development really go into at a fundamental level working from first principles, as Elon always does, building up to, okay, what, what are the opportunities in battery technology? How can we make this better? And uh, just addressing those uh, one at a time, working with Jeff Don at uh, Dalhousie University, one of the uh, minds uh, universally recognized for, uh, for acumen in this field, right? Uh, he's working for Tesla, trying to help them figure out how to make million-mile batteries at a lower cost than ever before. Uh, hopefully, greater energy density, lower cobalt. Check all the boxes for how do you make a battery better. Um, and I hope it doesn't get missed after it happens. Sometimes Tesla does. Uh, well, autonomy day, you were there. Oh right? yeah, it was went over everybody's head. I sort of like even yeah. Gene Munster raises his hand. He's like, so nobody thought that, but um, like that was the first question. It was awesome that I, they're going to do that at Battery Day too. It's going to be level gazillion, but I am so pumped. Yeah, I think people are going to hear sodium dichlorophosphate, and it will go. Is that is that one of the key buzzwords? We should be googling that way, way ahead. Yeah, uh, hey, bone up on that one now. That, that's your uh, that's your Battery Day tip. All right, homework, so, everybody. Uh, yeah, you're going to hear a lot about it. Uh, I think Why can you? All right, you, you mentioned this like six it. times. I, I need to hear a little bit more about this this buzzword. Dive. I don't even okay. know how to say it. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a uh, it's a chemical additive. Jeff Don uh, basically was looking for a way to improve battery degradation. How do we make these cells last longer? How do we keep them from um, fracturing? The, I guess the crystals fracture. And uh, I, I'm so far out of my field right now, but I listened to the lecture. Uh, and I guess they, they form these jagged needles that puncture through the membranes that are inside the battery, and that causes loss, and then you have to turn off those cells. And uh, it's, it's bad news over the long term, and it's the reason why batteries don't last forever. Well, if you can put a chemical additive into the battery that discourages that, uh, that lossy uh, degradation over time, then your batteries will last way longer. So 4,000 cycles instead of 1,500 cycles, um, that's way better. And it, it's more challenging to do in uh, an electric vehicle than it is in stationary storage. 
because for stationary storage, you can you can deal with you know range loss more than you can in the EV. You don't want your range loss to fall you know below eighty percent in an EV over time. With stationary storage, it doesn't matter as much. You can just buy more uh, storage to supplement what you need, right? So yeah, sodium bifluorophosphate. That's going to be a, a big big buzzword, I think maybe. Love it. And so the other big thing that Jeff Don mentioned was uh, vehicle to grid. And this was his talk that got taken down on YouTube. Love, love a leaked talk that gets then taken down that we got screenshots of. Nothing, nothing better than that. And where it talks yeah. about how that your car should enable you to basically balance the grid. And the key breakthrough for that is if we have, you know, if we're worried about only 300,000 miles on the battery, 150,000, like we have enough to move the car around. We don't have enough to be buffering the grid as well. But the second we have a million mile battery, all of a sudden economic sense, the ROIC or whatever to balance the grid is totally opened up. And this is a huge problem that as more electric cars come, as more renewables come, as we pressure the grid more, that's why people are buying these mega packs as fast as we can. Like we need that battery yeah. capacity. Um, and this could be a crazy new avenue of monetization of Tesla vehicles is turning on the vehicle to grid technology. How many people buy a Powerwall for seven grand just so once a year when the power goes out, they can have a little bit of electricity. That optionality right there could be worth five grand a car if they have that feature. So um, not even to mention like the $100 a month service of you balancing the grid automatically with auto bidder. Um, but I, I'm kind of just curious riffing on this because Jeff Don seemed yeah. to let it slip. And then you think this is going to be part of the battery day thesis? Uh, it might be. We'll find out. Yeah, uh, I would love for it to be. Uh, the challenge with existing Teslas is that you can't do vehicle to grid right now because you've only got 1,500 cycles in that car. And if you were cycling daily, you'd be through that in five years, and that would be a lot less range on your car than you probably want your car to have. So if you can move that uh, from 1,500 cycles to 4,000 cycles, well, now you can cycle that daily, and it's going to still have 80% of its range in 10 years. Uh, maybe something like that, I'm guessing. But plenty of people live in places where the grid pays you to take energy from them uh, at certain times of day. It sounds illogical, but it you know, could never happen. Uh, I guess the more common case is you pay a higher rate during the day, you pay a lower rate at night mm -hmm. uh, when there's less demand. Uh, in the middle of the night for electricity. So yeah, vehicle to grid could be done if the battery life was long enough, if the degradation was low enough. Uh, that's what I expect to hear about. Hell yeah. All right, I'm gonna wrap this up with some rapid fire, just we're getting pumped up here. Plaid Model S, Plaid Roadster, are we getting test drives at those at Battery Day? Are those rolling on stage? Is that what they're, the batteries at Cato Road are going into? Uh, Elon has said more than once that the Roadster is dessert. They're going to get to that when they're done. So they've got to make a whole lot of Cybertrucks, Model Y, uh, Semi, before they can get to Roadster. And the reason for it goes back to Tesla's mission. The mission is to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. Does selling 200 Roadsters a year accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy more than getting semis on the road, getting cyber trucks on the road. It doesn't, right? So I know nobody wants to hear that who has a free uh, Tesla Roadster coming to them. And plenty of people do from that referral program years ago. I'm still waiting for my first referral. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that, uh, that plaid Roadster is going to be one heck of a uh, a sports car when they're done with it, especially the SpaceX package, right? And you might see it, right? But you might see 
out uh, at Battery Day, they might uh, show off the the one that they put Jay Leno in and uh, and take it for a spin. It, maybe they've uh, swapped it out to have the new battery cells in it, and now its performance is better or something. That's what I think. Production could be for another couple of years, but maybe we'll get that test drive because I do think there's going to be a test drive component. Um, what about Plaid Model S? Because that's Model S and X were the key profit drivers for the company for so long. I think they refresh it, charge 150, 160 grand, make 40% margins, get people pumped. Uh, it seems like that has been on the table for so long. Put the horizontal screen in. Do you think that's going to come at battery day? Or do you just not even care? You're like shaking your head like, come on, dude. Like we got cooler fish well, to fry. Uh, <laughs> like let's talk about expanding capacity, not like how like the Model S going 0.2 seconds faster, zero to 60, right? <laughs> like, well, the, the the fun of battery day is, is catching all the hints and the nuggets from Elon tweets over the months and years, trying totally. to figure out how is all of this going to fit together. Oh my God. I it's been it's so gonna, fun. Yeah. I, I think because the location is at the Cato Road facility, the show and tell will be walking the line. You'll get to see them making the the cells on I'm the line. So pumped. And maybe the reason to do that would be because they've figured out how to speed up the process. So it might be one of those classic Steve Jobs keynote presentations where you say, here's the problem. This sucks. This is how everybody does this today. It's stupid. Nobody can figure out a better way to do it, except we just figured out a better way to do it. And it's in this building right behind us. And you're going to go see it right now. Dude, uh, you're getting me so hyped, bro. <laughs> I think that they went to the drawing board for 10 years. Nobody's innovated how to make batteries. It's going to be a totally alien dreadnought style. You know, Elon like wants to get so crazy with it. It's yeah, it's yeah. going to be so special. You, you want to vertically integrate into batteries once you have the capability to do it. Once your R&D has figured out, hey, this is the best cell we can make right now. It's, it's so much better than any cell we can buy from anybody else. We ought to be making these. At that point, it becomes imperative for you to figure out how to make as many of those as you possibly can, even if it's more than what you need so that you can sell to other companies that are trying to, to get EVs out there, right? Uh, if I were Porsche, I would buy Tesla cells made from Giga Berlin. Right? Oh yeah, there's a line out the door already. Yeah, their their car is plenty fast. The, the dig on the Taycan is that it's not efficient, uh, but if you can put better batteries in it and make it more efficient, more responsive, uh, quicker acceleration, uh, from from the current draw, electric motors <laughs> have a lot of torque. You just you send that current through uh, the the electromagnet, and you go right. Uh, you're really limited by the friction in the tires and the weight of the vehicle. So that's what's going to make that SpaceX edition unfair. Uh, coal gas thrusters don't care what the friction is on the tires. You don't need a spoiler. Uh, you can just just uh, you know fly using Newton's third law, right? Totally. And I've kind of got a hot take on that, which is that let's not partner with Chrysler or Porsche or Volkswagen, one of these legacy car companies who don't have the right mission and sort of ethos and who are competing with us directly. Why don't we supply battery cells to adjacent verticals where we don't have time to enter, like personal mobility devices, scooters, cyber, uh, or uh, the, the cyber, how am I blank? Cyber rickshaw that I put out the video of, you know, the oh, cyber oh, shop. Yeah. Um, or like, Our you Komodo. know. 
Arkimoto. That's actually one of the, my big things is like, let's sell it to Arkimoto and get exposure to that vertical and do it. And like, literally you just sell them those 2170s or whatever that new Maxwell sells that roll off the line. They'll figure out how to put it in the pack. You know, we can already get partners, you know, there's this electric boats companies are starting to blow up. They could use better batteries. Why are we letting them buy it from China? And that's the other thing I love about this. It's so savage that Tesla went vertically integrated. Like we're just going to figure out how to do it. We're going to build it. It's going to be state of the art manufacturing, like robotics, bring it vertically integration back to the U S jobs to the U S like amazing high growth technology jobs that solidify our energy independence. I mean, this is like a really geopolitically from a strategic perspective for the country of the US, Tesla's like, and SpaceX, like our two dopest assets. Like I just, and like, we're building this crown jewel factory in Austin. It's gonna be the dopest clean energy factory in the world. You know, it makes me really, on one hand, like I kind of feel like, you know, anyway, I don't wanna get political, but like, I'm just like, I, it's, a, it's a rare bright spot in what's happening in the world today. Uh, and this like story, and I feel like it doesn't get enough press. Yeah, or or uh, or Elon gets attacked from uh, well-meaning individuals who just right? hate on being a billionaire. Oh, Bernie, and dog, I, like, uh, come on. Yeah, Bernie and Robert Reich just taking <laughs> shots at Elon. Uh, I don't know what that's about, but uh, I, I uh, dropped a meme on both <laughs> That's the other thing I do. I do I do a lot of different things. So I do forecasts and I do charts and I do memes. Uh, you know the the uh, Tesla Q logic flow chart where everything points to Tesla is doomed. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> we got to put some of these up. Some of your memes, so you can really do it all, yeah. dude. Like get down to the numbers, also well, think long term, also speak meme Elon. Like, I mean, I heard that one of the most effective ways of communicating with people is to give them an image that's impactful. Right, people remember a picture longer than they remember a sentence. It's just plain text, right? So I've been trying from the beginning. Uh, back in like early 2018, I had this hot air balloon meme that I would drop on people uh, that said, uh, "Hey, we're gonna go for a hot air balloon ride. Do you want to go?" And that's Tesla saying that. Then Tesla Q says, "Look at that heavy basket." I bet you anything that'll never fly. And then uh, Tesla says, but it's a hot air balloon. It will definitely fly if you put enough hot air into it. <laughs> right. And then the, the last frame is the hot air balloon sailing away and Tesla saying bye. <laughs> I love it. Oh, trolling Tesla Q. I don't do any of that. I stay away, but it seems like you, you're having fun with it. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think there needs to be a rebuttal when people come out with uh, lies, right? It, when they come out with, um, with this harsh criticism of Tesla that's not really warranted, somebody should be there to make sure people understand what's really going on. Dude, um, and I, honestly, we owe you a big thank you. Like I know Elon thanked you, but the community owes you a big thank you because like what you're doing is so awesome. Just you know, taking the time, putting out this research for free. This is so much more in depth than everybody on Wall Street is doing. This is so much more time. You understand the business so well. This is a hundreds of millions of dollars of research have gone in this report, frankly. If you were going to pay for it through the old Wall Street system and you give it out for free on the internet, helping these little retail investors understand it like me, it's like, you know, I love, it's just so yeah. like, I, we're really appreciative of it, you know? I, I don't want to overbill myself. My, uh, my earnings forecasts have been wrong before. I missed in Q1 by a pretty good amount. I thought Tesla was going to lose money in Q1, but oh. uh, Matt, I, I've been pretty close. 
you're always going to be wrong. You know, I'm always wrong too, but it's just about the transparency and putting it out there and like kind of creating the discussion. That is so awesome. So I got friendly there because I'm going to have a tricky question to end it. VTOL Jet, this is what I feel like I need to know for every Tesla nerd. I know you've been scheming on it. Is it a SpaceX product? Is it a Tesla product? Are we coming out the VTOL Jet? Elon said we're three or four years away from energy density at mass scale. Like, Yeah, uh, there, there probably is a market for a VTOL Jet. I don't know if the market is large enough for it to make sense for Tesla or SpaceX to spend all the resources on it they would need. It would be cool for sure. Uh, Elon told us in Iron Man 2 that he had an idea for an electric diesel jet. Uh, and you know he does. But uh, I think they, the SpaceX might actually do the Starship uh, intercontinental trips before they would do diesel. Wow, you think that so that you think that's more likely to actually solve the the airplane emission problem, if you will? They demoed it, so I I guess uh, I, I guess Elon has figured out that there's an optimal uh, transportation method based on the distance from the origin to the destination. So if you're trying to get across an ocean, then Starship is probably the way to go. Uh, if you're trying to go a hundred miles. Uh, you know, road transportation is probably it. Uh, I, I love that semi platooning uh, beats the cost of rail. Uh, oh, that, that's pretty great. Uh, Tesla's going to sell a, a heck of a lot of Tesla semis if that bears out. Uh, even before there's regulatory approval to have all of the trucks be driverless, you might be able to get approval to have the lead truck have a driver and the trailing vehicles be driverless, right? If they're just playing follow the leader. Wow, okay, I lied. That My VTOL wasn't the last question. Tesla Semi, can you tell us why it's you're so excited? Because you were hitting on some amazing stuff, moving stuff around, not just people. This is gonna be a big deal. Yeah, uh, cargo, I mean, Semi tractor trailers are one of the largest contributors to pollution and, uh, you know, climate change emissions, right? So you're not done moving the world off fossil fuels until you've got um, a zero emission hauling solution. And Tesla Semi is gonna do that. You know Jerome Guillen is fired up. Tesla's president of automotive. He used to run Freightliner for Daimler, uh, their truck division. So he knows over the road trucking. And they've had a long time to work on that, uh, that Tesla Semi and the Mega Chargers, uh, I think their solution is better than the ones <laughs> that Don't we've been using at Nikola. Uh, he wanted to make people stop at hydrogen stations. He was going to spend $10 million per hydrogen station and then have people drive their hydrogen trucks to it to refuel and then go pick up their freight and then go deliver it and then come back. That's a dumb solution if, if somebody else has a battery electric vehicle that can uh, install mega chargers at your distribution center. So you, uh, you go to pick up and you plug in and you load your truck and then you drive to the destination, which is also a distribution center. You plug in there, mm -hmm. right? You got a full charge all the time. It's, it's a much more efficient approach and it's going to lower the cost the the two chief costs of trucking companies are labor and fuel the tesla semi addresses labor and fuel 
you can drive down your two highest costs. You can improve your bottom line enormously. The payback period for these vehicles is short. Um, if, if everything works as advertised, uh, these things pay for themselves in two years. Tesla might not be able to keep up with demand for a long time to come. And it's a fa such a fascinating microcosm of the way Tesla develops this battery technology that we're talking about at Battery Day. You know, they scale batteries, they can build them super cheap, that are super efficient, that can meet these performance specs. Like, like oh, they're five years ahead, they're seven years ahead. We always tout these numbers. And the semi-truck is actually that IRL example of that product that's going to be five years ahead of the competition that no, you need batteries that are that cheap, that are that efficient, that they can that can charge that fast, that can last that long, that can be in that weather. You need all of that technology to actually be able to launch this semi-truck. So even though that tech's been developed we haven't even generated a dollar revenue from the semi truck all that hard work has been done and now we're in the process of monetizing this technology and it's going to be five to seven years where tesla's just got a massive green space opportunity and first mover and so i just love this example of like how you can really you can see it they've developed it they have it there's billions on the table it's just about sweeping them in now yeah uh china has done a really good job electrifying their bus networks so there's some major cities in china i want to say shenzhen is one of them where they've got hundreds and hundreds of electric buses and they've got overhead charging devices for them at the bus stops. Oh, so Seattle time... has that too, actually. Like the roads, oh, yeah. they, your bus has like a the, the, the cords, like it's always plugged in basically, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's a good solution. But I haven't seen them foray into uh, hauling for, uh, for semi-long haul trucks. You could see Chinese competitors come in. What they don't have is the autonomy solved. Nobody has the miles advantage that Tesla has. Real world, not a stupid computer simulation. They know what all the wacky edge cases are. And uh, it's just a matter of iterating on their latest um, build of what Andre Carpathy is working on. Right? Uh, yeah, in China, they've got partial autonomy, but they still need safety drivers on their buses. So may, maybe they'll catch up uh, at one point and then Tesla will have competition from them. But it's looking pretty wide open to me. Yeah, and the flip side of that is I think the Chinese government's really on Tesla's side. And if there were to make, you know, a special lane on the highways for electric autonomous trucks, I think China would move on that a lot faster. And so I actually think that's kind of a sleeper moment is like, wait, Oh, in that video game where they dropped the new Model 3 in China, there was this big hype up. What was delivering that Model 3 in China that was driving around the highways in China delivering stuff? A Tesla Semi. So I'm like, ooh, the Tesla Semi in China. I like where we're going. Nice. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to. All right. Well, I don't want to take any more time. This has been so, so fun, James. Thank you so, so much for like hanging out and just uh, chatting Tesla. Um, I can't wait to see maybe the Wall Street Journal do another follow up in two years from now. We'll see what's up, you know, uh, but seriously, thank you totally. so much. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. If you, if you didn't get a chance to go read through the comments that we got on the online version of the Wall Street Journal article years ago, they were dogging on us mercilessly in the comments <laughs> saying we had no idea what we were talking about. How did the Wall Street Journal find these rubes? And, uh, you know, a tin bagger later. Here we are, Gally. <laughs> here we are in our Teslas. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it. Awesome. All right. Well, looking forward to Battery Day and uh, talk again soon. Seriously. Thanks a lot, James. Have a great day, All right, dude. sir. Thank Peace. you.